Good morning, church. This morning, we're going to continue our time in Matthew's gospel, coming to the 13th chapter. Um, Given the the context in which uh, Jesus speaks this parable and then provides some explanation to his disciples kind of behind the scenes, I think it's maybe imperative that we read this this entire passage and then kind of work our way through it. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I encourage you to turn there with me. Hope and pray you have your word with you today, and then let's, let's walk through this together. Beginning in verse 1 of Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, and their ears they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Last week as we walked through Matthew 12, we saw the the, the Pharisees coming and asking a question. And we talked about how questions are often posed to Jesus. But today, Jesus comes and he poses a question to the crowd and a question to you and I. And this is the question. What soil are you? That's the question that Jesus is going to pose today. What soil are you? In Matthew 13, Jesus is telling a parable about, about coming to sow the word of God and how different soils representing different hearts hear the word of God. And He uses a parable, and a parable is just a story that has a point, right? It's often a metaphor, and today he's talking about farming, but we realize this is much greater than agriculture. Jesus is speaking about a point, and the point is this. How you listen to God really matters. 
That's the big idea today. How you and I listen to God really matters. The parable reminds us all that we can hear God's word and yet not actually listen and turn unto him to be healed. This parable reminds us all today that we can hear God's word but not actually listen to it and therefore not turn and be healed. The truth is, as we've seen already throughout Matthew, is that many folks have already made up their mind about who Jesus is. Right? I mean, they're hearing his story, seeing his miracles, but we might say the adage, it's in one ear and out what? Out the other. Leaving us to ask, what made the difference in those who actually responded to Jesus? And I think today, three things come launching from the text. The sower, the seed, and the soil. The sower, the seed, and the soil. The first two kind of are lumped together, specifically the sower and the seed. So let's start there today. Have you received the seed from the sower? The first question to you and I today is this. Have you received the seed from the sower? Pick up if you would, beginning back again in verse 3 of Matthew 13. In Matthew 3, verse 3, he says, A sower went out to sow. And verse 4 begins and says, And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. Look what it says further here. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So start here. Right, we hear this word, and as he sowed. So again, we have this farmer going out to sow. We might ask the question, well, well who is the sower? Specifically, right, we, we would think that obviously it's Jesus, and then to his disciples, and then to the early church. But the reality is it doesn't stop there. It comes to the preacher. It comes to the Sunday school teacher. It comes as Brother Todd just prayed to the missionary who's there in a distant country trying to proclaim to people who have little or no access to the gospel. But it doesn't stop there. It continues to the parent around the table trying to share the gospel with their children and family. It continues to the grandmother today after the end of the service who asked her grandchildren, tell me, what did you hear in Sunday school? What was the preacher preaching about? It continues on. This sower represents you as you walk on your job site having conversations with other employees and friends and neighbors. You see, the sower is ultimately, yes, Christ, but it represents all who will come and share the gospel. And here's the good news, guys, that Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is the ultimate sower. And this is the good news. If you are in Christ, that means Jesus is inside of you. Therefore, believer, if you have ever opened your mouth to share the gospel and you are in Christ, that means you have never once shared the gospel alone. Christ is always with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus, when it comes time for you to open your mouth and share, we must trust and rely upon Him. Of course none of us here are perfect, right? I mean, we all stumble. I don't know about you. Have you ever stumbled sharing the gospel? Felt like, man, that was just terrible. I don't know how anybody could have heard or understand anything. And then we must remind ourselves, beloved, the the perfect one, the perfecter of our faith, he abides in us and he is communicating in and through us, perfecting the imperfect things that we say and do. Praise his name. Amen. It's the good news of the sower. Right, And so we see his identity of Jesus, but for all who come to Christ and are in Christ, this sower reminds us it's us as well. But then we might ask, well, who's the seed? Right, What's the seed represent? Right, He talks about this seed falling right on different soils. And we might ask today, well, who's the seed? Well, look what he said again back in verse 19 as he explained to them about the seed. 
when anyone hears the word of what? The word of the kingdom. The seed is ultimately the word of God, right? We hear in 1 Peter 1, Peter sharing to us that you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of what? Word of God. And then we come to John 1, don't we? And we see this living word according to verse 14. It says, and the word became what, church? Flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we recognize that the sower is, yes, Jesus and all those who follow him. But we see that the seed is in Jesus' words, the words of the kingdom it is indeed Christ himself. Thus, beloved, as you and I are sowing the seed, sharing the word, ultimately we're sharing Christ. Therefore, for you, for me, for everyone who takes and rejects this word, beloved, ultimately they are not only denying the word of God, they're denying Christ himself. This is eternally damnable because, as we saw last week, he is the only one who can save us from the judgment to come. But look back again at the story here and see the sower out faithfully sowing the seed. Some seed lands in bad places, doesn't it, along that path, and the birds come. Others seemingly may be in good places, but, man, the thorns and the things of the world choke it out. And then there's some seed that finds good soil and begins to produce But I think it's imperative for all of us to see the sower doesn't go around trying to predetermine which soil is most receptive. No, the sower is just faithful to share the seed anywhere and everywhere that God sends him. Thus, we don't go around trying to predetermine who might be most willing to listen to us. We seek to talk to people at the park or at the gas station. At your job site at break or on the phone or through social media or wherever, we have no idea where the good soil will be. And we are not called to be spiritual soil conservation officers. That is not our job. Jesus shares the seed everywhere, even the places that are hard and that we reject it. So consider this. Right, let's just imagine right now, I know it's a different season, but we have 100 people here on a Sunday morning. What if this week each of us went out and had just two gospel conversations? So 100 times 2 would be what? 200. What if 200 people this week in Greensburg, KY, or your area of influence, heard the gospel? And we returned back next Sunday, and we intentionally, in small groups, we met, and we had conversations say, well, where'd you share the seed this week? How did it go? How might we pray for that person? Or maybe they responsive to the gospel. We need to think about how we disciple them. Can you imagine our church if we were that intentional about sharing the gospel? And listen, guys, that's just if a 100 of us here today said, you know what? I'd be willing to have two gospel conversations this week to make it my aim to have just two. Guys, isn't that doable? Might we ask today, what's keeping us from just having two conversations this week? I want you to know that as a church, we're looking forward to to small groups and community groups, and we're intentionally moving forward with that. And I want you to know that'll be a part of the conversation, that accountability to say, guys, where did you share the gospel this week? How'd it go? How can we pray for one another? But let's be honest, if you're anything like me, there are way too many weeks that I'm coming back back in this church, and I still got the seed in my pocket. Is it for you? Beloved, it's time for that to change. It's time for that to look different for us, for you, for me, for this church. 
Now, the parable itself might seem simple, but the likelihood of why it seems simple to you is because you've now received the disciples, the explanation the disciples received. But listen to what Jesus says, because obviously at, at the forefront, the disciples don't understand it, and the crowds themselves seem confounded. And listen to what Jesus says. Again, back to verse 10 here in Matthew 13. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Look further, verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. So you're trying to wonder, why does Jesus speak like this? Because, right? He's going to give you the clarity. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So some people see Jesus obviously with their physical eyes, right? I mean, he's physically right in front of them, and yet their hearts don't spiritually see him. I mean, they are literally hearing God in the flesh speaking to them with physical ears, but spiritually their ears are not hearing him. Might you and I today be hearing this word preached and proclaimed to you, taught to you in smaller groups and and in different ways, and yet you're hearing it, but you're not really listening. I mean, to some extent, I think maybe we understand this, don't we? As Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for, right? Here's why. They are, notice here, folly to him. And then this statement, he is not able to understand them, the them, again, pointing back to the things of the Spirit of God, right? These, These spiritual things because, here's his reasoning, because, he says, they are spiritually discerned. It's a reminder to us all that it's impossible to understand this word apart from the Spirit of God. And that's what's so dangerous about this. The Spirit of God is speaking and proclaiming the word as the sower is sharing the seed. And yet when you reject this word, beloved, you're closing yourself off to the Holy Spirit of God. And on your own, beloved, you will never ever arrive at a place of faith in Christ. It is by the power of God's Holy Spirit. So to reject this word, beloved, is closing the door to the gospel. Do you see it? I mean, look what else Jesus says here. Again, it's a challenging statement. Indeed, verse 14, he says in Matthew 13, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. This is fulfillment of Isaiah, he says. Look what he says. Citing Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Look what he says here. You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. He's quoting from Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6 is this great moment, right? If you were with us in BBS, virtual BBS this year, we, we, you heard that one of the nights, right, of Isaiah 6 and this vision of God up on his throne. And Isaiah sees it and he's convicted of his sin and he recognizes that sin and God comes and brings forgiveness to him and restoration. And then I, God asks that great question, well, who will go for us and whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, what, church? Here am I, send me. And God says, well, here's the message you are to go and share, Isaiah. And it's this message of coming judgment. And these words here in verses 14 and 15 are the words from Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. That they are going to proclaim to this people that there is judgment coming from Babylon if they do not repent and turn from their ways. And this explains to us why is Matthew 13 where it is, right? I'm hoping as a Bible reader, you're beginning to ask those questions. Why is Matthew 13 here? 
What's just happened in Matthew 12? What's happened in Matthew? I mean, if you were reading a novel, I'm assuming if you open to chapter 13, you would wonder what's happened in chapter 12 and what's going to happen in chapter 14. Matthew 13 is in a strategic place. Why? Because all these people, right? I mean, seeing Jesus and those who will hear Matthew's gospel probably are wondering this. If this is the Messiah, then why aren't more people believing? Why are more people responding? If this is God in the flesh, why are they seemingly rejecting him? Why is this vast majority of people saying, especially the most religious leaders, saying this guy is possessed by a demon? Jesus' response, it's Isaiah 6, 9 and 10, saying they have hardened their hearts toward God, just like when in Isaiah's day when they were rejecting God about the coming judgment of Babylon. And consider for a moment the people of Isaiah's day, how good of seed they were receiving. They were hearing Isaiah 53, like a lamb before the slaughters. He is silent like a sheep before shears is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. The punishment that brought you and I peace was upon them. It was the Lord's will to crush and cause him to suffer. They heard Isaiah 53, the hope of salvation, someone dying as their substitute, and yet they rejected it. And now... Isaiah's lamb, Isaiah's suffering servant is here in the flesh and the people are rejecting him. They're demonstrating their hardness of heart. Thus the parable, part of the parable, this part of the parable's function is not to keep them from believing. Clearly some hear and believe, but instead it's to show them why they don't believe. Because as Jesus says, look what it says here about them. Their eyes, notice what it says, they have closed. Notice about their hearts here. He says their heart has grown what? Dull. It's grown hard to this gospel. We may think it's no big deal today to refuse the Holy Spirit, to reject the Holy Spirit of God. But the warning from Jesus Christ is in doing so, your heart becomes dull. You begin to close your eyes to the things of God. We hear Stephen in Acts 7, I believe it's verse 53, saying, you stiff-necked people, you're just like your forefathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Beloved, do not resist the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is pointing you to Christ. He's calling you out of darkness into light. The Spirit is pointing you and I to believe upon Jesus. Thus we see here the problem is not the seed or the sower. Beloved, it's our hard hearts. Thus we hear and see here the the reality of Christ. How we listen to God really matters. How we listen to God really matters. There it brings us to our big question today. What soil are you? I think that's the question that Jesus wants his crowd and, and you and I to walk away having to answer. What soil are you? So let's just for a moment look, walk through these four different soils looking to say which Lord most represents my heart. And before we do that, let me just pause just for a moment and pray. Asking God by the power of the Spirit to re- truly reveal which soil are you. Let's pray just for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would reveal to every heart here what soil they truly are. Father, please open our eyes, God, for those we've all, God, in ways hardened our heart toward you. Father, would you soften our hearts, God? Today we come wanting to see the truth, wanting to know and believe. God, would you move today in a mighty way, reveal to us which soil we are. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first soil we have might represent what you would call a hard heart. Look what he says in verse 19 of Matthew 13. Again, this is Jesus explaining privately to the disciples the story, this parable. 
when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one, who's the evil one? Satan. Comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So the evil one is represented by the birds in the parable, right? Coming, snatching away. To this point in Matthew's gospel, right, the hard heart is pretty clear. The Pharisees and the religious leaders, these scribes, these people who knew God's word the most, are the ones who are the most quick to reject and deny it. It doesn't, it tells us, listen, it doesn't matter how religious you appear on the outside. The truth is ultimately told by your and my heart toward God. After hearing this parable, do you think that the religious leaders heart had become softer or harder to God just hearing this one what do you think probably just more hard right the bigger question is after hearing it which condition is your heart do you hear it and become softer or do you hear it and become harder listen we might ask a difficult question here notice what he says here again about the evil one and we said that's who Satan, right? So evil one, Satan is coming and specifically doing something. He's coming and snatching away what's now been sown in the heart, right? He's coming and snatching, which is ultimately this what's sown here is the word of the kingdom. From the illustration, it appears that the seed lands on the hard heart and it bounces off. And the enemy goes, gives no time before he begins working, coming and snatching away. And we might ask, well, I wonder how does the enemy do that? For some, any time they begin to hear God's word, right, they begin getting fidgety. Right, maybe it's you. Anytime you're in here, you begin to feel like you need to go to the restroom or you need to doze off or do whatever it is. There's the enemy's working, right, starting to work on your heart and mind. He's trying to distract you. Maybe it's at home as you try to study the word. You begin to think about needing to watch TV or check your social media or your email rather than listen or hear the word of God. In fact, you may very well find this morning Satan tempting you to think about this week or what you're going to eat after church or maybe you're already planning your grocery list or what you need to get done. Right now, the enemy is working on you trying to snatch this seed from being sown in your heart. To the church, this is a call to action. This is a call of Paul's words saying that we do not wage war as the weapons of the world. On the contrary... He said the weapons that God has given us have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen, guys, the enemy, we can't wait and see the way in which he's working. He's working this morning right now to snatch the seed from the hearts of your children and grandchildren. Do you see it? He is waging war in these pews right this moment to keep you from hearing this gospel. He's waging war. Trying to snatch this seed today that it won't take root. Why do you think it's so hard with our children and youth ministries? Because we're bringing them in to hear this blessed and only gospel. It's the only way they'll be saved. Do not think that Satan hates that. He's going to do whatever he can to create chaos and confusion and trials. He wants you mad at so and so or frustrated over this decision or that. He wants... To snatch the seed any way he can. And he will use you or I in any way he can, beloved. This must call us to wage war in prayer. I wonder this morning, might there be one here who would say, you know what, it's time for me. I will begin in my home to wage war silently behind 
closed doors, when others don't see it, it's not for a show, I will begin to wage war for the children and youth ministry of this church. For others of you, you may hear this today and say, you know what? He is not going to come in here and snatch that seed from the Word of God being proclaimed on a Sunday morning. I am going to come and I'm going to wage war Monday mornings. I'm going to wage war staying up late on a Tuesday night. I am going to labor on a Saturday afternoon before Sunday. I wonder this morning, might there be just one Sunday school teacher who would hear this and say, enough is enough. I'm going to wage war for my class. I'm going to pray that when they hear that word Sunday morning in Sunday school, that the word of God will be good soil. Their hearts will be good soil. Beloved, we cannot overcome the enemy in our own strength. It is the power of Jesus Christ. Therefore, beloved, we must pray. It is the only way to overcome this hard heart. It is the only way to battle an enemy who is trying to snatch this gospel from you and those you love and the entire world. Secondly, the second heart we see, the second soil we see is the shallow heart. Look what he says in verse 20 of Matthew 13. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. But endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. I think it's likely the crowds of Jesus' day represent this group well. Right? I mean, they're following him. Some want to be healed. In John 6, after he fed the 5,000, right? The next day they show up and he says, you guys just want to follow me because you want another Hebrew happy meal. Right? I mean, listen, he says, guys, others are just riding the Jesus way that seems to be trending, right? We might use it in our, our trajectory of our culture. We would say, Jesus is trending. But the truth is their excitement and joy over what's going on is temporary. Wow, look what he says about them. What was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no what? No root. There's no root, beloved. There's no true change of heart, Jesus says. How do we know? Because look what he says here. That when that trials and persecution comes, immediately he falls away. Again, here today, Jesus asking you this question. What soil are you? Church, what soil are you? This kind of heart may see Jesus as the guy with the good life tips. He's the co-pilot to bless your life and make things better. But the moment that Jesus begins to step on your toes... The moment that you or I start going through some hard stuff, the moment he calls us to commit to go deeper with a Sunday school class or a small group or serve in this ministry, the moment he wants us to take up our cross and follow him by becoming serious about prayer, sharing the gospel, peace them out. As one pastor says, the proof of faith is not its intensity at the beginning, but its endurance to the end. Because listen, look what it says here. Immediately, this individual hears the word and receives it with joy. Don't you know? I mean, you've seen it. They're pumped. Their testimony's awesome. They're baptized. I mean, they're, they're here and they're shaking. They're moving. They're involved in this. And, and then they're gone. Again, hear that. The proof of faith is not its intensity at the beginning, but its endurance to the end. They immediately received it with joy, but beloved, when hardships came, when trials, persecutions came, they walked away. The third soil is the divided heart. Look what he says in verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. 
the idea and the danger are clear. Look what he says again. So it's things are the seed is sown among thorns. This is the person who hears the word, but notice what he says here. The cares of the world, this, this love of the world, the things about the world that matter. And then this right here I think is profound, right? Now I think you should give us all pause for a moment. Notice what he says. He says the deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. And notice what it does. It does what to the word? It chokes the word. It's deceitful, though. That's, I think that's the danger. You don't see it. You don't think it's you. You don't think you're that person chasing the world. You don't think you're that person that's so consumed by money that you, you just don't have time for God or His Word or to be at church. I mean, you're just consumed with everything else. It's deceitful, though. I mean, it's not you after all. I mean, you, you, you're good. I think, guys, listen, if I'm being truthful and transparent with you this morning, this is the soil that terrifies me the most. Because the first and second soil, it's pretty clear they're not a believer. And the fourth and last one is beyond clear that that person is truly a Christian. They're producing fruit. This is the one that is so dangerous, and Jesus calls it deceitful. Guys, this heart appears to be believing. It, it, it may even sprout up for a season. But Jesus says, look what he says about it. It actually proves unfruitful. He says it has no fruit. Therefore, it is a false tree. Therefore, this soil is no different than the hard heart or the divided heart or the shallow or the shallow heart. This is dangerous. Pastor Ray Ortland, he shares an illustration I think that's maybe really helpful. He says that our hearts are like a boardroom. And so imagine that you sit around the boardroom of your heart, right? And there, there's the nice leather chairs, the big table, there's water out, there's the, the whiteboard, right? All of these things. And around this table is this committee of people sitting, representing your life. It, it represents your social self, your private self, your work self, your sexual self, your recreational self, your religious self, your childhood memory self, and others. This committee is just constantly arguing and debating and, and they're voting over different things. Constantly they're agitated, divided, upset. Rarely can this committee ever come to any type of unison on any decision. So therefore, it's one way we might falsely accept Jesus is just to think, hey, I'll just invite him to be a part of my committee. Right? I mean, we just say, hey, Jesus, why don't you pull up a seat at the chair, give him a vote or two and let him make his case. And then the rest of us will decide, like, are we for what he's got to say here today or actually am I against that? But listen, beloved, if this is how we accept Jesus, that he's just one influence among many, then the easily offset by these other voices which yell and demand and threaten, guys, we're in danger of being this soil. I mean, we've seen it with Jesus' own family at the end of Matthew 12. Right? I mean, they show up anxious and worried. Like, Jesus, listen, we're outside. I mean, why are you, Jesus, stop. Like, you're creating issues, and there's tension, and, and, like, you're hurting our reputation. And Jesus like, why are you doing this? They grow anxious about what he says or what he does or what might happen to them if he doesn't shut up. No wonder they're so anxious and worried. And might we ask, how can we, like that boardroom of people around there, ever please so many different competing voices inside? Beloved, here's what needs to happen according to this parable. Jesus needs to show up and fire everybody else on the committee. He needs to take one chair, the chief chair, the captain chair, the chair of Lord and Savior over your life, and He is the one in whom you submit to and surrender to. He can't be just one voice amongst many, or the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will choke out this word, and your life will ultimately end up being unfruitful.
forth and last soil is the good one. Listen to what he says in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. Don't think for a second this person doesn't have also all those competing voices. This person has just come to a place to realize of submitting and listening to all those voices will never work. It will never satisfy. You will leave anxious and a miserable and just a a life of just confusion and frustration. So what do you do? Respond to the grace of God. Respond to his mercy. Believe, repent, trust in him. It's the only hope. This soil, listen, he calls it good soil. He says, this is that, the person who hears the word and understands it. Notice, everyone up to this point, all of them have heard the word. All other soils have heard the word. This is the only one that Jesus says has truly understood it. And he says, because of that, they begin, notice what he says, they begin to bear fruit and yield. In one case, a hundredfold, another sixty, another thirty. It's this moment of saying that this soil represents an open heart or a repentive heart. Because Jesus has just said back here in Matthew 13, verse 15, he says, This people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they've closed. Lest. All right, so listen, there's still hope. There's an opportunity for all of us here today, no matter what soil you see yourself. Look what he says. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. And look what he says. And turn. Repent. And those who turn unto Christ. They are those who are healed. This is the hope of the gospel. Listen, don't assume. Listen, if you are the good soil today and you have turned unto Christ, do not assume for a moment that the good soil doesn't face the challenges of the other three. Christian, do you know that Satan's still going to attack you? Christian, do you recognize today that you're going to still face trials and persecutions? Christians will face our hearts desiring the treasures of this world. We will. But what is the difference? We overcome. Why? Because the Spirit of God indwells us and empowers us to keep the faith. It is the hope of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory, Paul says. It is Christ's power in you that will give you that continued desire to repent. Listen, as believers, we're not those who repent just at the moment of salvation. We are those who continue to live a life of repentance. I don't know about you, but I still have struggles with the riches and desires, the cares of the world. I have moments when trials and persecutions come to my life that I have a tendency just to close up shop and think, why me? Why us? I have moments when I have such good intentions and the enemy wants to come and snatch away my desire to pray or to study or to focus on the Word of God or just giving Him praise even while I'm worshiping Him. But yet, all glory be to Christ, because despite those things, as the word of Pro- book of Proverbs says, though the righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. It is Christ in you, beloved, who will give you that strength. Why? Listen, guys, I want to be clear today. You cannot remove the weeds. I cannot remove the rocks that are in my life. But, beloved, that's not our job. That's the job of the good gardener, and his name is Jesus Your job is simply to hear and believe and respond to this gospel that you might be saved. You can't change your heart. It is God who changes your heart. It's the power of Christ in you, beloved. It's the hope of the gospel. As we close today, I want to maybe offer three different challenges to three different groups. 
first to some of you, you're ready to receive today. The word of God has come forth, the sower has cast the seed, and it's lodging deep. There may have been times in your life, listen, when you made an emotional decision, like some of these soils here, but today you feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit calling you to turn from your ways and look upon Christ. You know that you don't have the power and strength to get rid of the weeds and the rocks and the the desires of your heart. If you could have, you'd already done it by now. You're tired and you're weary, and now you hear Jesus saying to you, as we heard a few weeks ago, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Give you rest. If that is you today, beloved, I compel you to come. Secondly, to you, maybe as an individual or as a family, you realize that your life has not been this good soil that God has called it to be. The cares of the world, the trials and the persecutions, the deceitfulness of sin and all of these things have been crowding it out. But today you recognize, listen, I've been rejecting the word of God, but it's time to draw that line of the sand, so to speak, and say, as for me and my house, it's time to serve the Lord. This morning, maybe you hear it and say, I want my family to be a place that is good soil. Maybe this morning you'd grab your spouse, you'd grab your children, and you'd come and you'd pray and say, oh God, make our hearts good soil. We can't do it. Oh, Lord, we need you. Third and last, maybe you're here today and you've been out sowing the seed. And maybe there's just one individual specifically, man, that you are desperate to see their heart changed. This morning, I invite you to come and just pray, God, would you cause their heart just to be receptive to you? God, I don't want them to be deceived. God, I don't want the enemy to snatch that seed any longer. God, I don't want the trials and persecutions to cause them to say, if that's what God is, I don't want anything to do with that. God, despite all those things, I know and believe that you can overcome the power of Christ in them, that they would produce 30, 60, 100-fold. This morning, I invite you. Maybe you've been praying a long time. It's time to come with your church body and cry out to God. I invite you, whichever group, maybe it fits you well, would you this morning respond to the proclaimed word of the gospel? Beloved, I leave you with a question. It's the question we began with. It's a question you must answer. It's simply this. Which soil are you? Let's pray. Father, in the strong name of Jesus, we come. Praying, God, that you would draw... Father, I pray specifically for those who are apart from Christ, God, today that they would come. Lord Jesus, please, calling out to Christ for salvation. I pray for an individual or families, God, today who have too long been divided, not focusing on Christ's word, of other things crowding it out. Lord, I pray that today would come a line in the sand and they would come and cry out to you, God, make our hearts good soil. Change us. Father, lastly, I pray for the person here who has grown weary, thinking that family member will ever be saved, or that friend, or that person they've been sharing with. God, I pray today that maybe they would just come weary and say, God, please make them good soil. I know I can't, but you can. Father, I pray that all throughout this room, Lord, that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit and people would come and respond to the gospel. I pray it for the glory of Jesus, Lord. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. 
In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.